Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. Yeah. I let Coach Sumlin, yeah. I let the stoop. The entire first half, we got hit in the mouth and acted like somebody took our lunch money, and all we wanted to do was have pouty expressions on our face. Hello, and welcome to the Around the 12 podcast. My name is Tanner Price, and I'm here with my co host, Greg Hockert. Greg, uh, we are recording early this week because we have one of the best holidays coming up this week, Thanksgiving. What do you – or excuse me, what is your favorite Thanksgiving food, Greg? Uh, it, does pumpkin pie count? Yeah. Yeah. I'll yeah, it's, it's pumpkin pie and it's, it's not even close. What – is Thanksgiving like a tier one holiday to you? Um, no. No, I, I'd say it's a tier two. Okay, same, same same here. The the way you led with that, I was like, hmm, is he is he really that high on Thanksgiving? It, to me, it's like Christmas, and then like everything else kind of like goes See, below I'm like, that. Christmas slightly. and Fourth of July are like top two. They're in the first tier, I'd say, because they're on opposite sides of the year. Everybody still gets together. They're both a lot of fun. Um, you get to just spend time with people. It's it's those two are probably my my top two and then i'd probably go thanksgiving's up there though i will say i go then tier two is probably thanksgiving easter yeah i think i think i don't know i love i will say i love watching the nfl on thanksgiving that 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 is kind of like i don't really watch a lot of nfl but i will watch it on thanksgiving um yeah, I, it, it's it's a really good holiday. It was better in when we were in school and you had the whole week off. Mm, that yeah. that made things great. But now as a, a in corporate America, like getting Thursday and Friday off is is beautiful. Like I will take a four day weekend all day. I don't get I don't get Friday off, but we do this thing where we get every other Friday off, and it just happens that this year the off Friday lines up with Thanksgiving. So. My my old company did not get Friday off, and I it made me so mad. But <laughs> but I get Friday off now, and Wednesday's a glorified half day. So you know what? I'm <laughs> I'm pumped. feels feels great. Tanner, we also not to not to jump too far ahead to to previews, but we got some Friday Big Twelve football not, this week, and not even not even like Friday Night Lights. We got like Friday Friday Day games. The big or the, not the Big Twelve college football's really expanded their Black Friday. Like it I really it. is now evenly split fifty fifty between Friday and Saturday, whereas it used to be so. Oh my gosh, what game was always on Friday? I think my brother was here this weekend and he was telling me that the Egg Bowl between Mississippi or Ole Miss and Mississippi State was always on Thursday on Thanksgiving Day. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think I, I mean I I believe him. I, I believe him. He's got like a, you know, he's got a great memory. So I'll take his yeah. word for it. But yeah, I, I love the the Black Friday, um, the Black the Black Friday uh, conference, Big Twelve conference yeah. slate. Yeah, I'm excited. Football all weekend, um, and I'm excited to go to the Oklahoma State BYU game this weekend. I'm I'm pumped about that. Did you Did mean? you see that there that there is a uh, very slight but but small chance of snow i'm bringing it with me i'm bringing it from salt lake <laughs> i don't know I, I i feel that byu players will be more prepared to play in uh in in that kind of weather than 
than uh, OSU players, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but before we get to that, Greg, let's uh, let's go over our locks of the week. Um, I would like to say that I, despite the fact that you're not going to give it to me, I went two and zero. Yes, yes. I think that you deserve the credit for that. That those are two good picks from you. If you Tanner parlayed our my lock, your lock, and then your additional lock, you'd have been doing pretty good this weekend. Because we 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 went as a as a whole, we went three and zero. Oh, um, so pretty pretty happy with that. You're if you if you don't count your additional one, you're sitting at six and seven on the year. So one one last week. Um, I mean, obviously we can we can do our lock for the Big Twelve Maybe title we'll go, game, but that just that just doesn't we'll go, feel quite the we'll same. Go all Power Five. We'll we'll take a lock from any of the conference championship games. Okay, I like that. Like what we did with Week Zero. Yes. Yeah, I I like that. Okay. Um. So so we can do that, but but let's let's get you to 500 before we uh, venture out of our Big Twelve bubble. I I do have to say I, I've kind of been on an absolute heater recently but still don't take yeah, my four, advice hey, it's like probably four out, all, four out of the last five ever since we started fading tanner someone <laughs> out there started fading you and is just livid right now <laughs> um but hey i'm i'm sitting pretty good nine and four it's been uh you know when we first started doing the lock of the week i remember last last year we, we were we were saying oh yeah you know we've been doing this even not recording a podcast we've been pretty good at it we usually, you know, usually get it right two thirds, roughly of the time. And then we started recording and I think I went like one for five last year. So it feels very nice to actually um, have it in, 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 you know, proof. I've got, I've got proof evidence Heck that yeah. um, I can cook up one good pick a week. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So we both, we both hit. That's, that was nice to see. But yeah, let's just let's just jump into it here, Greg. Let's start with Oklahoma visiting BYU in Provo. Um, Greg, I'm not sure if any of our followers know or just people in the Big 12 generally know, but it's come to light this season with BYU joining the Big 12. Um, they give BYU gives out brownies and ice cream after the first quarter to the opposing fans. It's that's amazing. <laughs> that's literally so amazing. It, it, they're a really good fan base. I think a lot of the newcomers this year to the Big 12, have, their fan bases have been a little under attack for maybe lack of loyalty, lack of attendance. Mm, you, we've got, well, honestly, technically all four schools are in metropolitan, bigger cities. Uh, and, you know, there's been some uh, discussion of maybe, oh, well, we've got better things to do here in the city of Orlando and the city of Houston. And, hey, that might be true. But, you know, what? we are the Big 12 Conference and, and we love our football. We love our basketball. We love all of our sports. Um, and BYU, they have maybe not been the best team. They, they, they've been close to one of the best newcomers. Um, but they certainly have the best fan base. I think I can say that with an absolute straight face. I'm not lying to you. They have the best fan base, and they treat opposing fans very nicely um, there in, in, in Provo. I 100% agree. Um, but the BYU players didn't treat their fans so nicely this weekend. 
Um, very, very, very good game from BYU. Tied at the end of the first half. And BYU has the game tied. I, I forget when this was, Greg. Maybe it was in the third. It was definitely in the third. Um, let's see here. Yeah, third quarter. About halfway through, BYU has it on the one-yard line. They've been running the game, I want to say, like at, up to this point, five yards a carry, something like that. And BYU decides to throw a pass. Intercepted. Billy Bowman takes it back for a 100-yard pick six. And Oklahoma ends up winning by a touchdown. That is tough. It's a terrible play call. I think before we, before I rag on them for that, I do have to give them credit. They, they were, Tanner, they were 24 and a half point underdogs. This was supposed to be a blowout. I said I expected it to be a blowout. I did not think this would be a close game. And they kept it close. They, they played a really good game. They got up for this game. It, it, it might have been one of their more impressive performances of the year, even though it ended in a loss. Just Due to the fact that they they really, for the most part, I'll, I'll be honest, I'll say this, they look like the better team. They look I like agree. they should have won the game. Here's the difference, Tanner, and it's what you referenced. It It, it is the 100-yard pick six. It's also the other two turnovers they had. They lost the turnover battle three to zero. Most teams did not win games losing the turnover, turnover battle by three. And you will almost never upset a top 15 team when you are unranked three touchdown plus underdogs when you lose the turnover battle that bad. Usually that usually what that spells is OU wins by 40. Not not BYU, you know, hangs in until the end and and, and comes up short. So, um, yeah, when you when I, you just look at that, it, it they should not have been in this game. Um, but if you take those turnovers away. They should have won. I do also have to commend um, both quarterbacks or the quarterbacks from both teams. Jake Retzlaff starting, I guess this year he was the backup quarterback to Keaton Slovis, who we've kind of talked about all year. And they just, Keaton Slovis was healthy for this game. Let's not, let's not get that mixed up. He was healthy for this game. They decided to go with Jake Retzlaff and he performed very well. And then on the other side, Dylan Gabriel goes out of the game with a concussion at the end of the first half. And Jackson Arnold comes in. True is he is he a true, true freshman? freshman? True freshman. And also plays pretty dang well himself. I I really like the touch he had on the ball. He seems like maybe even a more potentially more dynamic runner than Dylan Gabriel is. I I like the way he performed. He's going to be dangerous in the SEC, but I like the future of Jake Retzlaff. Like he was, he played pretty well. Now, can you learn to put some touch on his throws instead of just throwing zingers all over the field? Yes, <laughs> but he played well. That dude, Out, obviously, that outside dude of the threw the ball as hard as he could, <laughs> whether the guy was 20 yards away from him or five yards away from him. It did not matter. It was really funny to watch. Um, but yeah, I, Speaking of Jackson Arnold, he he did play really well. He came in in a, in a uh, I believe he came in when the game was tied. Could correct me on that if you if yeah, you remember. He came, in, he came in in the second half, which they were tied at halftime. And yeah, he I mean he didn't play out of this world, but he was really impressive. I mean the 
throw that he had to basically ice the game, get the first down, I heard was a audible that he made at the line of scrimmage. I mean, for a true freshman, kids 18, 19 years old, that's really impressive. Um, he was the number one, number two ranked quarterback in the country, depending on um, what uh, recruiting source site you're looking at. Um, but still, nonetheless, um, for, for a true freshman on the road in a tie game in November, nonetheless, it, I mean, really, really good performance. Absolutely. Okay, Greg, let's talk about my my secondary lock of the week, Cincinnati going in to Morgantown. Cincinnati, or excuse me, West Virginia doubles up Cincinnati, wins 42-21, to and Garrett Green balled out. He played very well. And I'm, I believe he's, is he, a, he might be a senior, but I, I know that he has at least one more year of eligibility left. Um, and it might not look like he balled out through the air, but he ran for quite a few yards and so did their running back. Uh, gosh, what's his name? Jaheim White. Jaheim uh, White, two, yes. 204 yards, 10 yards of carry and a touchdown. BYU, or BYU, still stuck on the last game. <laughs> West Virginia as a whole ran for 9.2 yards per carry, <laughs> 424 yards and five touchdowns. That's that insane. Disgusting. That is insane. Since Oh, my God. Cincinnati couldn't stop them if they had 15 players on the field. I I also, Jaheim White, shout, shout out to him, had, a, had himself a heck of a day. He had one catch for 75 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> so the, oh that gosh. dude, that dude, he touched the ball when he touched the ball on average on Saturday, got 15 yards. Just give him the ball first down immediately. So, um, yeah, this Tanner, this was a runaway. The score honestly indicates that it was closer than it was. West Virginia, I believe, was up 42 to 7 at one point or 35 to 7. Um, yeah, Cincinnati has really just kind of fallen off. Um, there was I do have to I do have to mention there was a very questionable coaching decision made by Cincinnati at, at the beginning of the game. It, it didn't make any sense to me. I was watching this and I was like, what the heck is happening? So they come out. Cincinnati comes out. They get the ball first. They put in their backup quarterback, Brady Lichtenberg. He plays one series, and they bench him. He he doesn't play the rest of the game. Did he get hurt? No. I mean, then they brought they brought Emory Jones back. Like it it didn't make any sense. At least when I was watching, there were no. The announcers never said anything about Lichtenberg being hurt or whatever. They maybe, they were also a little, just. Um, as, Maybe a little one-series suspension a la Baker Mayfield and, and OU, if anyone gets that reference. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but it just, like, it hurts your offense. And we saw this with Oklahoma State earlier this season. You're switching up quarterbacks, and nobody can get into a rhythm. And then by the time that Emory Jones come is, comes in, they're, they're already down. They're losing this game, and they're not at home. Like, that, that is not a recipe for winning. That, that's really tough on both quarterbacks. What was I so I think there needs to be a mutual agreement between Cincinnati and Luke Fickle to just say, you know what? Luke Fickle needs to come back. He needs to say, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have left you the Power Five conference. He's 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 not doing I don't know what his recruiting class looks like, but I mean Wisconsin football, he's I don't think he's meeting their standards this year, um, being that I think they're roughly six and six. 
He's, five, he's five definitely six. not. There were there were tickets on Friday to the to the Wisconsin game for under twenty dollars in the lower bowl. That that never ever ever happens at Wisconsin. Wisconsin has some of the most diehard fans I've ever seen, and that never happens. And you know yeah. they you know they're diehard because they watch that ugly football every Saturday. And they do it in the cold, miserable weather sometimes. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, Cincinnati has had a rude awakening to the Big 12. I think the timing of Luke Fickle leaving couldn't have been worse for them because you leave, you lose that stability. You lose some of the momentum you had from the playoff team that he coached, and you go 3-8, and eight, more than likely 3-9, and nine, um, and you – don't know. They won one Big 12 game. I'm sorry. They beat Houston. Yeah, they beat Houston. So, yep. I, I mean, you get one Big 12 win. That's, I mean, just about as bad of a start for Cincinnati as yep. as as you, you would have thought. So, Okay, Greg, let's go ahead and talk about another blowout. TCU hosts Baylor in the Blue Bonnet, what was it, battle? Blue Bonnet battle? Or bowl. Or bowl. I don't know. We should have looked it up. Did it you see matter. the trophy? Did you see the trophy for it? It was uh-uh. pretty sweet. It was a shield. It's a shield. That's dope. I should have pretty gone and picked blue bonnets out of the field, although they bloom in <laughs> April, so that probably wouldn't have worked. But <laughs> um, really not not a whole lot to mention. Blake Shapin had a very Blake Shapin type day. He threw for <laughs> under 200 passing yards. Uh, and one touchdown. He didn't throw any picks today, which is or not today, but Saturday. So that's good for him. But his team got percent completion percentage. That's what he's at. That that, that is what he is. Um, but Greg, on the other side, we got we got a Chandler Morris sighting. So help help me out. I mean, Josh Hoover's balling out. He threw for yeah. 400 yards and two touchdowns. Is this a BYU? Uh, Situation where where uh, what's what's his face starter gets hurt, backup comes in, plays pretty well, yes. and, you, and yes. you just move on. Because well, Hoover's a true yes. freshman too. I think or no, I think knowing freshman. I'm sorry, redshirt freshman. I think knowing that Chandler Morris, I think is he he's done that after this year, I believe. Maybe one who, more year. Who who knows anymore? But who no? Oh no, he's still. Let's see. He, he could play one more year, maybe okay. even two. Well, either way. Because he also got hurt last year at the first game. So he, he, that dude could probably play another three years if he wanted to. But he'll transfer. Yeah, that, that would be my guess after the way that Josh Evers played this year. But I think that Sonny Dykes and the TCU coaching staff knows who their quarterback of the future is. And I think that kind of like – like you mentioned with BYU, they're going with Jake Retzlaff because they know they know that Keaton Slovis is done after this year. And that's not the same with Chandler, Mo- Chandler Morris, but they know he's done. So they're just going to move on and start building a relationship. Not that they don't have one already, but building their young quarterbacks up so that they are ready to go next year and yeah, absolutely. And and in this case, Josh Hoover's played really well this year. I mean, he had he's, a really he's, rough. He's had, he, he's had some ups and downs. He well for for a freshman, he had a really rough start, but I think he's he he's he's come back and played and played pretty well. He had a rough game in in Lubbock, 
Um, and he had a rough, a rough start. I, I believe. Oh man, what game was it? Did they play Iowa State? Um, when when he was thrown in there and and um, did, didn't look great. Uh, but but he's he's showed promise all year. I mean, um, I I think he'll be I think he'll be good. And and for TCU, I mean, and for Josh Hoover, you have an opportunity this upcoming week in Norman. To, to to really get OU in a tricky situation and 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 we'll get to that but we'll we'll, yes, we'll we save were. that for later. And now Greg, let's go ahead and talk about another a very interesting game. Oklahoma State goes into Houston and wins 43 to 30. Looking at this final score, if you're just looking at the box score, you'll think Oklahoma State pretty handedly controlled this game, but no, that is not the case at all. Early at the end of the first quarter, Houston's up 14 to 3. Then Houston scores another touchdown. They get a safety. They're up 20, they're up 23-3. Oh no, sorry. 23 to 9. Yeah, 23-9. And then And they get the they get so they get the ball back. Yep. They with get an the opportunity ball back. before halftime to go up 30 to 9. Uh, yes. and and probably put almost put the game away at that point and uh yeah Donovan Smith makes <laughs> uh makes an interesting uh selection on where I would he call wanted it, to throw the ball I would call it absolutely egregious he um throws he, he it. forgot he forgot what color jersey they were wearing I think I mean I don't know Houston wears white jerseys 50% of the games too right I mean <laughs> I've I've never seen an interception like that he just threw it right to the defender and Oklahoma State was able to go down, score a touchdown, and kick a field goal before the end of the half. And it's a four-point game. When three minutes before that, it was a it was a fourteen-point game. This game really flipped with that interception, and then with the ensuing touchdown that Oklahoma State was able to score. You, Houston had a lot of momentum. They Oklahoma State, I think, the defense was. The offense was moving – it basically looked exactly like it did against UCF. The defense started off not very good, and the offense was moving the ball and then made mistakes. Alan Bowman throws a pick six for Houston to go up 7 nothing. Um, Ollie, I mean, three-yard three yard line, handed off right up the middle. Ollie Gordon was stuffed in the backfield for a safety. So you have the offense shooting themselves in the foot. The defense giving up a 60-yard touchdown on a post route over the middle – it looked exactly like UCF, um, except for they were able to bounce back, respond, uh, and, and just completely retook all the momentum. Um, Ollie Gordon had another huge day, really came out in it was the a, second half yeah, looking it was like a, a different player. I think wearing them down over time um, and, and being able to run the ball really also, really is what makes Oklahoma State effective. Also, Oklahoma State, and I, I have to give credit to Alan Bowman here, Oklahoma State was able to use the pass to set up the run. Now that everybody knows that Ollie Gordon is going to run all over you, they're going to stack the box, which means that they're going to bring their safeties and linebackers, and they're going to have anywhere from seven to nine guys in the box ready to tackle Ollie Gordon. And Alan Bowman was able to pick apart the Houston defense, which then made them spread out and actually cover the wide receivers, and that allowed Ollie to go and score three touchdowns and rush for 164 yards. So that was um, and, and a great. He, 
Great second a, half by the Oklahoma State you, offense. You got to give a shout out. Brennan, Brennan Presley, Oklahoma State's leading receiver, 15 catches, 189 yards. Uh, pretty ridiculous. Had a couple of uh, catches and runs after catch where um, didn't get that same camera camera angle quality with ESPN2, but uh, looked like he might have not stepped out of bounds and could have kept going um, and would have scored on both both plays. And rest blew the play dead, much to the demise of the the commentators were not not very, I wasn't very happy about it. The commentators were were not thrilled about it either. So um, Brendan Press had a huge day. Um, but yeah, this was a really, really good win for Oklahoma State on the road, um, setting them up for what is m- more or less 90, 90 or so percent chance of win and your and your end to the Big 12 title game. You are jumping the gun on me, Greg. Okay, let's let's talk about UCF visiting Lubbock. Can I just say, don't take your special teams for granted. Don't don't take a simple PAT Extra point. Yes, for granted. So, what I'm what I'm talking about here, Texas Tech is up 24-17. Very halfway halfway through the fourth quarter, we'll call it. UCF goes down and scores, and they get a blocked PAT. So now UCF is down by one. They kick the ball back um, to Tech with what, five and a half, four minutes left. And then you, excuse me, and then Tech is able to just get first downs. Taj, um, Taj Brooks just keeps getting first down after first down, and they bleed the clock out on UCF. And that's that. If if you're Gus Malzahn, you're probably just so, so upset. After you blew out Oklahoma State at home, and then you go and lose by one to Tech, that's that's painful right there. Hey, but on the bright side, they covered. They covered, and Tech they were is now two going and to a half. A- they were two and a half point underdogs, and there are not many ways Tanner to lose by one or two points. It is it is pretty rare in college football with the amount of scoring that sometimes takes place, and I'm not talking about the Big Ten. Um, to lose by one or two points. And so normally in these scenarios, I just like to pick the pick the team straight up like I did last week. Uh, this 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 time it kind of came back to bite bite me bite bite both of us. Um, but my lock of the week prevailed. Um, so shout out to UCS kicker for ensuring not that I won with the with this pick straight up, but that I won with the with the spread. They were just looking out for my lock. There you go. Um, and coming out of this game, Texas Tech is now bull eligible, so that's great. And UCF is playing Houston this next week at home, so it's looking like, despite the fact that they are five and six now, they probably should win this next week and get into a bowl game. All right, Greg, let's talk about the Sunflower Showdown. Kansas State visits Lawrence. The booth is packed. It's absolutely crazy. Kansas is wearing their black unis. They look so clean, and yeah. they lose. Um, I don't. I do like have to mention. I, I like him a lot. I do have to mention Jason Bean did not play in this game. So, what does that mean? Cole Ballard threw two picks, but 
he was able to manage manage the game decent enough to keep them in it despite the loss. I mean, they. He, I mean, he was able to run for 55 yards, and the team as a whole ran for 234. So that that's that's really Dev, Devin Neal had himself a day, uh, 18 carries, 138 yards, three touchdowns. So they were really, for the most part, in control of this game. Looked good, and similar to the BYU game, Tanner, they just made or or BYU versus OU, they just made a couple really key mistakes. That cost them the game. Uh, I mean, obviously, you mentioned the two picks from Cole Ballard. They also had a dropped, should have been pick six, in in the defender's hands, could have caught it, jogged into the end zone, and he drops it. And then I believe they stopped them anyway. Kansas State punts the ball, and then Kansas muffs the punt. I mean, they had a chance to put this game away and instead muffed the punt. Kansas State recovers, goes down, scores a touchdown. And obviously Kansas had another opportunity or two, but was not able to take advantage. So really tough game. Um, And this is one of those moments where I'm sure if you're a Kansas fan, you haven't beaten Kansas State in football in 15 years. You're literally sitting there and you're like, why is this happening to me? I've been there as an OSU fan. This is like. This is turning into what people think of Bedlam. <laughs> yeah, this is like, this is peak this is peak Bedlam right here. This is this is peak like no matter what you do, you are not going to beat your rival and and it it's it sucks. It really sucks. Um but as far as Kansas State goes on the flip side of that, I mean, they have not had the year I think most of their fans would have expected. Um, but they are still sitting at eight and three and Tanner will get into to, to conference championship potential matchups later. They're still sitting at eight and three. They have Iowa state in Farmageddon at home this weekend with a chance to go nine and three and, and put themselves in, in, in a, in a really good bowl game. So I understand that Kansas state fans, probably you look at this season, you lose on a 62 yard field goal to Missouri. You then come out completely flat in Stillwater a couple weeks later and lose to an Oklahoma State team that at the time was reeling. And then you lose uh, based on some horrendous coaching decisions in Austin and overtime to Texas. I mean, I'm not here to make excuses for for, for anyone. I mean, I, can, I, I sat there for Oklahoma State and thought, well, what if we, you know – we're playing the starting quarterback and, and the best running back in the country against South Alabama. Surely we don't lose that game. But Kansas State has to be sitting there thinking they could easily be 10 and 1 right now. No questions yep. asked in the literal playoff picture. Yep. Yep. I couldn't agree more with you there, Greg. Okay. Let's let's go ahead and talk about Texas visiting Iowa State. You said it was going to be a hornet's nest up there, Greg. And I it was for a while. And it was pretty ugly football. But then Texas in the second half was able to pull away from Iowa State and win 26 to 16. I cannot believe at the end of the second half or at the end of the second quarter. This game was six to three. That is. Yeah. I mean, not to take another unnecessary shot at the Big Ten, but looking like a Big Ten West game out there. This was (laughs) this was ugly, except except Tanner. Uh. 
we were actually throwing the ball in this game. Um, if uh, if Iowa State was able to run it like a Big Ten team likes to do, they might have actually won the game. <laughs> they, if you if you count sacks, they ran for nine yards. Even if you take sacks out, they ran for 23 yards. Probably the worst. And they I only just, ran I, it, I, what, 16 times? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess 21 if you count the sacks, but. It, it, yeah, it was, I mean, when you are that one-dimensional, your offense is not going to look good. You're not going to score points. Um, and really, again, this game was pretty much all but decided. And, and Iowa State really, really pulled one out of nowhere with a, with a really good, I forget if it was third or fourth down. I believe it was fourth down, a really good fourth down play that they caught Texas on. No one covered the tight end, went right up the seam uh, for a touchdown, and, and, and they were able to, to cut the deficit a little bit. But, Tanner, this was the quintessential trap game. It had trap game written all over it. I called it last week. I made it my upset alert. I said it was going to be a hornet's nest in Ames, and Texas was able to weather the storm, no pun intended, and really look good doing so. And anyone on the outside looking in that looks at this and is like, oh, Iowa State, Texas only won by 10. You don't know college football. You don't know Ames, Iowa. Like, you you should be – discontinued from ever talking college football again. This was a great win from Texas. Yes, it was. And I think that Iowa State going into this game knows about Texas's defensive line. Texas's defensive line has guys that will be playing on Sundays and will be getting double-digit million-dollar contracts in the NFL. Like, these dudes up front for Texas are ridiculously good. So it makes sense, but if you're Matt Campbell, maybe you should try to run the ball every once in a while because it makes it, like you said, it makes it so easy to cover you unless you are just pulling hats. Well, unless you're pulling cats out of hats, I don't expect you to win the game when you only rush the ball 16 times. I mean, my thing is maybe, um, and and I, I I'm unsure how how often they incorporated this, but maybe you try to get the screen game going. You try to do something to mimic a run play that's not an actual turn the ball or turn around and hand the ball off. Yeah. Because um, I I mean, they're 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 two, they're they're top two running backs had a combined 13 care or uh yeah 13 carries for 21 yards. So that's. That's 13 plays, and and I mean I don't know exactly how many plays Iowa State ran, but it's going to be between 65 and 75 on average. That's 13 plays out of 70 plays, let's just say that basically you got one yard on average. That's it's tough to go back to that. So I don't blame Matt Campbell for not running the ball. Plus they did have some success in the air. I mean Rocco Beck put up some good numbers. Um, but it really didn't translate to to the box score, yep. or to the to the final score. I'm sorry. Yep. Still, like you said, Greg, great great win for Texas, and they are keeping themselves in the playoff conversation, and definitely in the Big 12 championship conversation, which I think that we need to have a little discussion about right about now. So, let's let's go ahead and take a look at some standings. 
we have Texas at one. They're obviously ten and one in the season. They are now seven and three, or well, seven and one in conference play. I'm pulling this up right now. I should have I should have been more prepared, Greg. Gosh darn it. Um, then we have Oklahoma State in second place by ruling of the tiebreakers. Then we have OU in third and Kansas State in fourth. Now, technically, those you could, you last could call three teams all, all, all tied to. Yeah, those last three teams I mentioned, technically they are tied by record, but because Oklahoma State has beaten OU and has beaten Kansas State, they have a slight edge. So let's talk. How does Texas get in? It's easy. They pretty, win. Pretty simple there. That is the simplest way that they can get in. The simplest way Oklahoma State can get in. Texas wins. Oklahoma State wins. They're in. Now, how about Oklahoma, Greg? Do you do you know this? After Texas and Oklahoma State, things get very tricky. OU basically needs uh, one of two things to happen. They need uh, OSU to lose. Well, okay, this is assuming OU wins. So they obviously need to win. Um, but they need either OSU to lose. If, if BYU beats OSU and OU wins, they will be in. And Texas wins. I believe even if Texas loses, they'll be in because that goes to a three-way tie and and you, you get it gets real messy after that. But I, I would think they would still be in since they beat Texas and they've got a, a – I, I really actually have no idea what that would look like. But I think they're still in at that point. Um, so they just need OSU to lose. Um, or if there, I'm sure, are other mathematical scenarios in which Texas loses – um, and they win, and, and and blah, 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 you can go down the line. Um, the odds are not very high for OU, but they are probably the third. They, they, they have the next best odds to yeah. make it out of Texas and Oklahoma State. And then Kansas State. I don't know if we necessarily need to go through all of this, but Kansas State, it will take a lot for them to get into the Big 12 championship game. They have the fourth best odds. Um, but crazier things have happened. I do have to say this. I think, this yeah, I think, for the, I think for this one, both OU and OSU would probably have to lose because they don't own the tiebreaker over OSU. And then if they get in a tie, if OSU loses and they get in a tie with OU, OU will get in, I believe. Um, I believe they will still get in, uh, based on, I think it goes down to, uh, against the next com- record against next common opponent, which at the current moment, if my memory is serving me correctly, would be Iowa, Iowa State. State and then maybe Kansas, because they both beat Iowa State, so that is nullified. And then I think their next common opponent would be Kansas. Um, well, actually, shoot. I don't know, Tanner. These tiebreaker rules are confusing because OU lost Kansas. So I, look, I really am not 100% sure. If you are a fan of a particular team, you probably know the scenario in which they get in. But for our purposes here, 
the more than likely matchup will be Texas and Oklahoma State. Unless, Tanner, we get chaos in the absolute biggest way in the last weekend of college football. So And that, um, that, that right there is why we play the games and we don't let Vegas odds dictate what will happen on the field because – these these players, they are 18 to 24-year-old kids, men, whatever you want to call them. Sometimes they don't do the smartest things, and sometimes they just get really lucky. So we'll see what happens. Should we put well, some teams on upset alert? Yes, yes. That's what I'm thinking we should do next. You want to go first, Greg? Yeah, I, I, would, be, I would be honored um, for our last upset alert unless we go outside of the big 12 next week, our last upset alert of the year. Um, I, I was debating on who to go with out of two games, but after we were really discussing last week's games, I I feel very firmly um, that for like the fifth time this year, I'm putting OU on upset alerts (laughs) and it is not, I'm not wishing them, well, I am wishing them bad luck, but I am not trying to project this upset alert on them. I This is a genuine, I think they need to be aware of this game. Let me give you my reasons why. Uh, they went on the road at BYU and ended up in a really tough game. That's the reason number one. Two, the status of Dylan Gabriel is in question. He had a head injury undisclosed. Don't really know what happened to him, but I mean, if it's a concussion, there's literally no way he's going to play next week. That, that's not how concussions work. Uh, three, they're on a short week. Tanner, they play Friday. Not only do they play Friday, they play at 11 a.m. After they played at 11 a.m. in Provo, which is 10 a.m. local time, and then flew back and probably didn't get back until the evening. So there's a lot of reasons for this, not necessarily X's and O's wise. Um, but if you want to get to on the field stuff, like I mentioned, Dylan Gabriel's in question. I'm sure they feel good about Jackson Arnold, but he's a freshman and you have a, another freshman on the other side of the ball and Josh Hoover that has gotten really good experience this year. This will be his fifth or sixth game now. I believe that he started or played in, uh, and, and he's done pretty well. And TCU has not been great as of late, but blowing out your rival, even, if it's Baylor and they suck, is a confidence booster. Yes. Uh, and so for that reason, Tanner, I'll put OU on upset alert. They All are right. a ten and, and a I, half point favorite at home, by the way, for context. And I think the other team that you were thinking about putting on upset alert is Kansas State. Now, am I wrong? Am I wrong about that? Uh, I was actually thinking about putting Texas on upset alert. Oh, I'm not so sure about that. They're at home. It's a Friday. It is the Friday after Thanksgiving, but I, I actually feel pretty confident about that. That spread, maybe not, because they've played some pretty close games this year. But I feel confident about them winning. I'm putting Kansas State on upset alert. It's Farmageddon. It doesn't matter that Iowa State's six and five. It doesn't matter that Kansas State is eight and three with a chance to go to the Big 12 title game. It's Farmageddon, and it is going to be so much fun. Um, it's the Fox night game, it's going to be sweet. And I think that there's a decent chance that Iowa State, one, runs the ball better than they did last week, and two, their defense is able to put a stop to Will Howard and the Kansas State offense. Actually, oh, something that I forgot to mention earlier is that Kansas State did not 
play their uh, their backup quarterback. I forgot his name already. I Avery Jones. Yes, they didn't play him last week, which I thought was interesting. Um, maybe he's injured. I I don't know, but that's something to keep an eye on in this game is if they play him and if they use him to see what happens. They really haven't played him in a couple of weeks now, so I'm starting to wonder if something injury wise is 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 up. But yeah. We will um, see. But, yeah, I'm putting Kansas shoot. State on upset alert. I think it's going to be a great game. And I'm just excited to see what happens this weekend and who makes it to the Big 12 championship game. All right, Greg, let's go ahead and pick some games. Let's start with the Black Friday games. TCU visits Norman, Oklahoma. Like you mentioned, OU is currently a 10.5-point favorite. Who are you taking on this one? Put I put them on upset alert, but I will still take Oklahoma um, just based on the fact that uh, they are at home and TCU has been an inconsistent team this year. And as much as I would love to pick the upset, I'm going to take the safer route and, and take OU at home as a double-digit favorite. Heck yeah. Okay, I'm also taking Oklahoma in this one. Depending on who starts at quarterback, which I really don't think that Dylan Gabriel should start this game or play in this game at all, you're playing a 5-6 and six TCU team who, sure, they have something to play for and that they can make it to a bowl game, but you have a lot more to play for than TCU does. You have a lot more. And so I think that OU is going to come out with their hair on fire and win this game soundly. All right. On Friday night, ABC... 6.30 kick, we have Texas Tech going into Austin, playing number seven Texas. Texas is currently a 12.5-point favorite. I'm going Texas on this one all the way. Now, could this be – you were talking about Texas versus Iowa State being a trap game for them. Could this be a trap game for Texas? Maybe. I think you could almost consider every game a, a, a potential trap game when you are – I mean, needing to win every one to literally stay in the playoff conversation in the Big 12 title race. Uh, Tanner, here's why I'm not. I'm going to pick Texas, but I'm going to caveat it with the reason why I consider putting them on upset alert. You, and rightfully so, many other people have given Texas Tech so much crap this year. You know, the whole the Big 12 runs through Lubbock from Joey, Joey McGuire. The, the preseason hype when they haven't really won anything in, in recent memory. Um, and they come out and lay a complete dud this year. They're 6-5. and five. They're barely scraping by to, to make a bowl game. But they have quietly, quietly gotten hot as of late. They were 3-5 and five at the end of October after getting really beaten badly by BYU, even though they only lost by 13. They got really soundly beaten. Um, and they were down to their third-string quarterback at the time. Since then, Baron Morton has come back. They have beaten TCU. They have gone on the road and upset Kansas, who was 16th at the time. And then they took care of a, uh, a UCF team that was coming off its best game of the season. So I'm not saying that... Texas Tech is going – I'm not saying they're going to beat Texas. I'm just saying if you're Texas, you cannot look at this and, and view it as we're playing a 6-5 and five team. You, you need to look at this as they have not lost a game in the month of November. 
They have their quarterback back. He's confident. He's gotten more experience. Um, we need to take them seriously. So I, I will pick Texas, but I am a little concerned that while all of the attention on the, the quote-unquote track game was, you know, and, and we added this too, but talking about Ames, I think this one at home um, maybe not, uh, maybe wouldn't be considered a track game. This could be a potential huge letdown spot for Texas. That, that, that's how I'll, I'll put it. That's a that's a fair point. I am going to be very interested to see what happens here. Because although Baron Morton has been playing well, Taj Brooks in the Texas Tech run game has been their strength all year, especially when they're starting to their their top two quarterbacks were out. Taj Brooks has really carried this offense throughout the entire season, and it'll be interesting to see how the Texas Tech run game goes up against that Texas defensive line that I spoke of earlier. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a good matchup, and I think I really think that it's the strength of both teams. Like if you had to say what's the strength of Texas Tech, I would say their run game, and if you had to ask me what's the strength of Texas, probably their defense and more specifically their defensive line. So it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting matchup, and I'm really really excited to watch this game. With that being said, I'm going with Texas. Love that All these right. two are on Friday. I love it. Yeah, th- these are great games. Um, I do think there might be some Texas and OU fans crying about the short week, but it's a day. They're going to be fine. Okay, let's talk about the Saturday games. Houston visiting UCF, Battle of the Newcomers. Houston, oh, excuse me, UCF has the opportunity to make it to a bowl game. They're currently favored by 13 and a half points. Who do you have? I have UCF. I think um, Houston has been really, really struggling this year. Um, almost, I mean, they have been borderline, uh, if not worse, um, than Cincinnati. Um, the, the only difference in their records is that Houston uh, got a got an overtime, double overtime win uh, in Waco against Baylor. So I like UCF. Uh, I like them to go six, six, six and six make a bowl game. I think they're probably pretty pissed off about last week, getting an extra point block that would have tied the game. Um, so yeah, I, I like UCF in this one. I like them comfortably too. Yep. I'm going UCF here. I don't think that it really needs much explaining. UCF's off offense has been playing very well as of late. Okay. Let's go ahead and talk about BYU visiting Oklahoma state, Oklahoma state senior day here. It's going to be an interesting weather game. There's a slight chance of snow in the day, kind of like what we talked about earlier. It's going to be very cold, pretty chilly. Oklahoma State's currently a 17.5-point favorite. That line surprises me after the roller coaster ride that has been the Oklahoma State season. But Vegas has made a lot more money in their betting career than I have, so <laughs> I'm probably going to trust them here. I will be taking Oklahoma State in this one, uh, mostly because I will be there, not not for any other reason, not like they're better than BYU. But, um, Craig, who do you have? Uh, BYU has been very um, – I don't want to get like, canceled or anything, but they've been borderline bipolar this year in in how they've played. I mean, they we talked about it earlier and kind of made fun of them. It was like – all right, well, if we get good BYU, I think this will be a good game. If we get bad back BYU, this isn't going to be close to blowout. And this is how I feel about this game. If we get good BYU, 
they could kind of surprise OSU, um, make it close. At that point, 50-50 chance. Uh, I would give the edge to OSU being at home. Uh, if we get bad BYU, that 17-point spread uh, looks to be um, honestly, I would I would even go further than that. I, I think this has an opportunity to be a blowout, but you also have to give some. There there is a talking point here in that yes, Oklahoma State is playing for a spot in the title game. BYU is playing for a bowl game, and the players know that. Um, B, the BYU players know that. Uh, and, and so there's not going to be this. It's not like they're facing some four and seven, three and nine or three and eight team that's rolling into town last game of the year. This will, I mean, sh- it should be a competitive game. Um, I don't expect BYU to just roll over. But with that being said, I'll take Oklahoma State. Um, I will be there, too, Tanner. This will be uh, last last home game of the year. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, really, really enjoyed gotten some good games to water this year i've been really spoiled so uh i'll be rooting for my pokes to uh, make it to arlington and what's been a roller coaster of a season but one that i will never i'll never forget it yep okay and we have three evening games it's kind of weird and they're all spaced out by 30 minutes okay we have west virginia visiting baylor seven and four west virginia three and eight baylor okay this this game is really interesting to me, not just because of the matchup. I, I actually don't think it's going to be all that close. West Virginia is currently favored by eight and a half. But if you would have asked me at the end of last year, you gave me two records. You said one team is seven and four and one team is three and eight. Who would you which team would you think would have that record? I think I would have thought it would have been flipped. Everyone would have. Everyone would have. I mean, it's it's so interesting to me, but I I'm going West Virginia here. Like I have said throughout this season, West Virginia is currently my second favorite Big 12 school. And I think that's going to continue on this week against Baylor in Waco. Tanner Baylor is since their 2021 Big 12 championship win and Sugar Bowl win against Ole Miss. They are nine and 15. Over the course of two seasons, nine and 15, that isn't even close to 500. They're nine and 15. Uh, make it nine and 16. West Virginia wins easily. There we go. I don't need course on moment there. Okay. We, I've talked about this for multiple weeks now. How soon after this game do we hear about Baylor keeping or letting go of Dave Aranda? There's probably already talks. I'm not plugged into the Baylor, the Baylor uh, uh, gossip on on Twitter. I I think you've I, I think you've got to I think you maybe give him one more year and he's gone. I, the the fact that he won you a conference championship I think buys him some extra time that maybe you know if they had lost that game he wouldn't have gotten. But there's no way. They, they they cannot. This is not sustainable um, for yeah. that athletic department. They won't. I I don't think they'll allow it. They built that new stadium. They're committed to football. Yes, they are. Okay. Next we have Kansas visiting Cincinnati. This is number twenty five Kansas. They're currently favored by six and a half. Um. You know what? 
I'm going to do it. I'm going to make Kansas my lock of the week, hoping, praying that Jason Bean starts. Um, I do also have to mention, I think we should mention this. There was a lot of rumors that Jalen Daniels, who has barely played this entire year, was going to transfer or going to not come back to school. And recently, I believe with it last week, he announced that he is coming back for another year of football and staying at Kansas. So I think that leaves Jason Bean in a slightly precarious situation. Jason Bean's got to be out of eligibility, right? I mean, that that dude, I swear he was playing when I was like a sophomore in college. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take Kansas with this one as well. I'll keep it pretty short. I like I like Kansas, even though they have questions at, at, at quarterback. Um, really kind of a disappointing end of the season for them. But I don't think that Cincinnati really is. I, I mean, I, I just I think Kansas, even with a third string quarterback, would be able to run the ball in Cincinnati. I mean. Um, who did Cincinnati play last week? West Virginia ran for almost 500 yards on them. Kansas can do that easily. Maybe not yep. easily, but they'll, they'll run for 250, 300 and, and win the game. And then finally, we have Farmageddon. Iowa State goes into Manhattan, Kansas. The Little Apple. Kansas State is currently a nine and a half point favorite. Greg, who do you have? I have Kansas State. Um, they're at home. They know it's at stake. Uh, they, they've been pretty hot as of late, too, uh, so I, I like Kansas State. Me, too. I I did put Kansas State on my upset alert, but I like Kansas State in this game. It's going to be a close one. Rivalries are just always that way. Um, it doesn't matter what time of day, what time of year. Rivalries are close because they're rivalries. That's all. Well, and Greg, do you have anything? My, oh well, yeah, yeah I, I, I got to get my lock real quick. I I always I always save mine for the end just to just to add to the suspense. Um, anyway, uh, I'll take. I indicated it earlier, but I'll take West Virginia minus eight and a half against Baylor. I was so excited to jump on and start recording. The line that I saw on my phone was six and a half around lunchtime today when I checked, um, and it's jumped two points at least on the ESPN app <laughs> since. Since my lunch break earlier today. So if that gives you any indication as to you know the direction means, this is Greg? trending, I agree. I agree you know with the way uh, the betters are, are are putting their money. What does it mean? That people are starting to listen to us because we love West Virginia on this podcast. Well, you love They've West Virginia. Us. Okay, they have treated you poorly one time, but – they, they screwed, screwed me over. Very I well. put West Virginia on my no bet list, and if they lose this game, Tanner, I'm writing it in Stop. Sharpie. I will never bet on West Virginia again. I mean, they worked out really well for you last week, and I'm I'm I would make a case here because I said on this podcast multiple times I will. They're on my no bet list. I'm not doing it. I'm not making them my lock of the week. I don't feel that I'm betting on West Virginia to cover. I'm betting on Baylor to suck, which has worked out pretty well this year. Um, That's fair. If you're if you're betting against Baylor. That's fair. All right, Greg, do you have anything else that you would like to say to the good listeners? Go pokes. <laughs> well, I think it's going to be a very, very interesting week of football. Um, Oklahoma State and Kansas State will know what they need to do 
well, I guess they they know that they have to win. Um, but they'll know they if they will have know, a shot. <laughs> yeah, they'll know if they have a better shot going into Saturday. But I'm very excited. I'm going to be loading up on food. Um, it's going to be a fantastic week. And I'm just so excited for Thanksgiving. We hope that you guys have a great Thanksgiving. But before you eat your turkey, make sure you pull out your cell phone and you go on to X or Instagram or TikTok and you follow us at around the underscore 12. Um, we thank you for sticking with us so long. Sorry this was a long episode, but I think that we did a very good job of diving deep into the into the games that were played last weekend and the analysis coming into this next weekend. Uh, we thank you. We love you. Goodbye. <laughs>